0: Hey, minor change, there's a new Patreon link at patreon.com backslash no cartridge. You know how to spell it. My name's Trevor Strump, KaggleBot on Twitter. And um, I, I'm doing a, uh, a basically like a podcast uh, podcast exchange here. Uh, I um, am welcoming back someone, uh, not exactly welcoming back, but welcoming back to me because I was on his podcast, Utopian Horizons, um, and he's coming on my podcast now. Uh, Paul, uh, Paul Walker. Uh, Paul wait, Walker Amig. Paul Walker Amig. I was like, Paul Walker. And then I panicked. Uh, Julian, you can leave this in because of the the um, fast and the furious guy but, yeah, uh, Paul Walker Amig's better because now you're not going to be mistaken for that uh, tragically past actor
1: Yeah, uh, weirdly, I don't think anyone ever mentioned that to me until after he died, and then suddenly, <laughs> uh, constantly people are like, "Oh, like that guy, like that actor guy."
0: yeah <laughs> they just they just associate you with, with yeah. the uh, recently deceased. Yeah, I, I guess he wasn't as famous
1: before. People just let it pass. But since he died, after he died, if I ran up a call center or something, uh, the person <laughs> that everyone wants to talk to me about how they love Paul Walker's films so much, it's like, okay, I <laughs> haven't seen them. But cool.
0: I, uh, yeah, I mean, I I know the Fast and the Furious, and that's about it. I didn't think he yeah. had any other films. So, uh, you know, sorry, yeah. sorry to Paul Walker for for the massive disrespect, but not sorry to Paul Walker Image, who I'm happy to have on the show. Um, so we're having you on uh, to talk about a game that I feel like has gotten a lot of buzz and, and buzz that I didn't necessarily anticipate it getting when I was playing it. I, I know a lot of people were, were super into it and they they talked about it, but a buddy of mine was like, Hey, that, that game all the Kotaku people are talking about. Uh, what is that? And I was like, what you mean Ashen? And he was like, no, it has a weird name. Like, uh, Oh yeah. Return of the Obra Din. Like, yeah, that's a great game. That's has buzz. So, Apparently, it's hugely popular, and uh, I, I'm glad to have you here to talk about it because I loved it.
1: Yeah, well, I guess it, I guess being as it was made, obviously, by the guy that did Papers Please, people were um, sort of paying attention to it quite early on. I think.
0: Yeah, Lucas I think he, Pope he, does actually. That yeah. Yeah. Bring some uh, bring some cred.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess the, uh, the aesthetic of it, that kind of, um, it's supposed to look like a Mac or something. I don't know what the actual aesthetic thing yeah, is, but that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, so the, the aesthetic is very, um, it feels like, uh, like 16 bit color or, or something like that, where it's like, it's very much, um, like an, a, a, uh, I don't know how to say this. It's very much a, uh, like a pared down retro aesthetic, but it's not pixely it looks a lot more like um I, you're, I think you're right like it looks a lot more like something you'd see on like an apple 2 or something that couldn't quite process graphics yeah. although the graphics i mean he does a really good job of making it look stylish as opposed to like you know impoverished so it's a little different yeah uh, but it's a really
1: nice looking game and mm-hmm. um it's got pirates in it which um well not pirates but when he first showed it off it looked you know looked like a pirate ship which was instantly appealing to me and <laughs> it's got like detective stuff in it and a notebook so I was really into it from uh from the beginning and yeah, yeah you, I have to say to me that um,
0: you love notebooks and video games
1: I love notebooks and video games yeah so this <laughs> this um so yeah I don't, I don't know if we if you want to get into this too much now but just to kind of talk a bit about yeah, notebooks and games I think is a really uh can be a really interesting thing. So I mean, we could games- talk about
0: Discworld if you want, just to like introduce why you were excited about this game. Cause I think that I think that really I don't know, it informs a lot of where you're coming from about like why this game was exciting to you.
1: Yeah, sure. So so I'm generally in really into sort of detective mystery stuff anyway, which I think there's kind of something something inherently appealing there in them about the idea of justice or um truth as uh, a way of, of um delivering justice which you know in the world we live in the idea of of uh revealing truth and and creating something more <laughs> just is a kind of fantasy but sure, uh, yes. you know it's a nice fantasy <laughs> and there's 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 something quite like so i don't want to say that uh, re- revealing so the, the idea that truth has power is kind of a fantasy. That's a bit too cynical to say, but you, you know what I mean. Like, ideology yeah. is a bit more complicated than that. You
0: need well, to. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I agree, and I think like you know, it, detective stuff really appeals to me too. And I think one of the reasons it appeals to me is the same reason video games appeal to me, in that like, there's a certain kind of, um, there's a certain kind of answer you can get in, in detective work that you know you would never actually get otherwise. It's why like. You know, watching a uh, like watching Poirot, for instance, does something for me that watching like, you know, true crime documentaries does not because like the true crime documentary always ends with some like poor sap getting arrested for the crime. Even when they commit it, you sort of end up feeling bad for them unless they're like a total monster. Um, And then uh, if not that, then it's just total ambiguity, like, well, maybe this happened and maybe it didn't, whereas in detective stories, there's always, like, it always wraps up in an interesting way, like a Rube Goldberg.
1: Yeah, and that that's think i think that's something that i am um, into this this uh, like the, the detective is kind of a more uh, archetypal figure like mm-hmm. uh, somebody that that embodies justice in some way in a world you know mm-hmm. filled with injustice and corruption and stuff like that it's, if you go back and think about you know raymond chandler and, and Dashiell hammett um they, they these are these are in those novels, the worlds are, are those kind of worlds filled with corruption and immoral actors and exploitation. Mm-hmm. And these people, Sam Spade, you know, from or the um, the continental op, which I believe is what uh, uh, Hammett's that's, that's detective, Hammett, yeah, yeah, detective is referred to. They are they move through these seedy worlds with cops undertake and you know, corrupt officials, and everyone's up to get everywhere, and they manage to deliver justice. And Obviously, mm-hmm. um. I say that like um, obviously those novels are full of um, sexism and homophobia and, and stuff like that. And it I, I, holds up
0: better than you would expect. I've taught Red Harvest a few times, and that's actually that works. But yes, I mean they they have their problems. For yeah.
1: Sure. But, but even so, I, I think there's still something really appealing about that. Um, as I say, like that archetypal idea of someone delivering justice, and also those those kind of figures are. Um, often so they're, they're kind of um outsiders they're they're they, we can feel like they're on our side because they tend to be like disrespected um they often like been kicked out of the police for some reason and they're kind of viewed with contempt by a lot of the people they deal with
0: mm-hmm.
1: but um nevertheless they uh yeah they're able to to break through that so i think there's something appealing about that as well you see what i mean the the idea of these are like they're outside of the they're outside of the power structures, um, but yeah. they nevertheless understand the power structures and are able to manipulate them in a way that delivers uh, a kind of justice.
0: Well, it's enjoyable um, too because, like, even even if we're sort of like approaching it from a a, a position where it's like, well, you know, we uh, I, I trust the cops, or you know, like I and, and you know. I don't think a lot of our listeners are approaching it from that perspective. But, you know, like the perspective of like, well, the police are good or ultimately good people or whatever. um, You still get this feeling of like, well, this person is kind of like me. Like this person is a version of me in this situation and what I would do given the opportunity. um, Like they're an everyman, which is always sort of uh, I mean, that's a recipe for for success in uh, in bringing in an audience.
1: Yeah, well, and and often, like I say, the detective is obviously is often like independent. So even right. he's outside of of the city, and he often. Um, well, and it brings um, it, it so,
0: brings out the uh, it brings back the like the you know that that conflict about that I was talking about with true crime, where it's like, oh yeah, like I didn't you know when I found out that the person who was the murderer was just like a mom who was, uh, you know, who was killing the person who killed her son or whatever, like. You know, those sort of, like, uh, obviously yeah. cliched versions. But, like, you find that out and you're like, well, I really wish that I didn't have to prosecute this woman. Um, and as a viewer, you're like, well, I really wish you didn't have to prosecute this woman. <laughs> um, but in, you know, in Hammett or whatever, it's like uh, the op or, um, or Chandler's... Um, oh, why am I forgetting Raymond Chandler's... Uh, Sam Spade um, can just, like, not do what they don't want to do. <laughs> like, they can be like, I don't want to take this case.
1: Oh, yeah, that's uh, actually there's a, I think of the, um, I think it might be, it, this might be in, I can't remember, I can't remember which stories are in which books, but it m- might be Red Harvest. Maybe, you know, you'll correct me. Um, it, there's one where the detective gets a case from, um, like the mayor or something, and he, he he he's been using gangs to clear up a labour dispute. Yeah, the, that's right. T- yeah. yeah, so he he takes the case, but he solves it in a way um, that displeases the guy that gave him the case because he he wants to deliver justice. So right. he he, right, he yeah. ends up like kind of blackmailing the guy who uh, hired him to uh, like he, he makes him like declare martial law to like clean up the, the town and, and stuff like that. So yeah, that's what I mean. They're kind of an um, uh, archetypal figure, and yeah, somebody um a guy whose podcast i like very much he does a podcast called all units he's been tweeting a lot about um colombo recently and again oh, nice. this is the kind of opposite to what you said about these kind of um you know these ones where it's like oh it's actually a poor p- person who had this bad thing I'm-. now in colombo it's like the bad guys are wealthy awful <laughs> privileged rich people and bumbling right. working class Colombo managed to he like plays the idiot the whole way and manages to expose them and yeah deliver justice in a very pure way. So yeah, I just think there's something appealing about that. Um I know I haven't actually mentioned a video game for after being on video game podcast <laughs> okay. on No, it's
0: but, okay. Um, I mean the, how many podcast yeah, I mean I am sure that's like generally my audience's biggest complaint is that I don't get to the video game soon enough. But like I that's my that's my thing too. Uh no, I think like, you know, in I, it's It's funny because in Oberdin you don't necessarily get that feeling you do get the feeling of being an outsider for sure like mm. there's the, there's the feeling of like, oh, you know like uh you are not you yourself uh, the character are not like a member of the the ship like you're not um you're not a part of the Oberdin, you're sort of an outsider who got the case uh and has to figure and has to like piece whatever happened to this ship together so the the basic idea of, of the return of the Oberdin is this ship. It's been missing for years and years, comes back, or months. I, I can't remember the timeline. But uh, it comes back to shore, basically, and um, there's just bones on on the deck, and everyone's gone. Uh, you don't know what's happened. And you get a, a book from one of the passengers saying, like, hey, use this book to try and figure out what happened. And also, here's this watch. And if you, go, if you come upon remains, you can use the watch, basically, to uh, go back to a snapshot of the moment in time where that person died. And so... Your job is to not be part of the Oberdin. It's really just to like record the way everyone's life ended or story ended. And as a result, like you don't have any of the politics of the East India Company who are uh who have hired the Oberdin. You're not uh you're not uh besmirched by that. You're sort of like you are also sort of the East India Company wants to know uh all about this so they can figure out what insurance owes them, but like you know any sort of like reservations you have against british imperialism and stuff your character lives conveniently outside of it
1: Mm. yeah that's one of the things that is um a bit yeah different about this game in terms of you know all the stuff i've just talked about um you are you are revealing truth uh in terms of uncovering the, the stories of the people and what happened to them but i'm not sure if there's a clear idea of uh any justice being delivered, if you see what mm. I mean?
0: Like yeah, the, no, no, there's, there's, I mean, I guess, I guess vis-a-vis the, there's one wrongly accused person who, uh, I guess, like, ex post facto, you revealed that yeah. he did not murder the person that he's said to have murdered, but uh, it's sort of, <laughs> it's sort of cold comfort for him at this point, yeah. uh, as he's been executed by the El-Bredin, uh crew. Yeah,
1: I mean, I suppose there's, there's at least this idea. When, so when you start the game, um, so it, but the key thing with this game really is that you have a notebook.
0: And Absolutely, and that's not just was, because you like notebooks. I will go ahead and say also. And, and, and Lucas Pope said this as well. That like he basically he he did the game, and a friend was like, "Oh, like the the whole point of this game is the book." And he was like, "I didn't ever think about it before then, but he was totally right. Like the whole point of the game is the book." Yeah, um, and it is. You're just writing this book that, um, basically, like you only have you only have the the parts that are missing uh, to start out with, and you have to fill those in.
1: Yeah, and it seems incredible that he didn't realize the game was about the was about the book.
0: <laughs> I know it's like so... it, it's very strange. <laughs> I guess the demo. Did you ever play the demo? Like the demo mm. was. Uh, I didn't either. But he had like a working demo for quite a while, and the demo was just. Um, Basically, so that when you start Oberdin, um, the the opening bit is uh, basically the death of the of the captain. That's not a spoiler by any means. Uh, the captain is dead long before um, you know, like you decide, you figure out anything that's going on in the game. Uh, yeah, but it's the first
1: thing that you yeah, see, and it's obvious. Yeah,
0: yeah, they, they're basically like, "Captain, we're coming to kill you," and so you're like, "Well." every everything in the book has like there's a manifest and and stuff where it's like, okay, here's who these people are, here are their jobs, here's their nationalities, so there's all sorts of weird ways to figure out who these people are, and we can get into that later, but um I mean when when they say like captain we're coming to kill you, it's like, oh, well, that's the captain, <laughs> I know what happened yeah. to him <laughs> um, <laughs> but I guess uh the original demo that Pope had was that um that was it like it was it was the death of the captain in in a certain way, so. Um, I mean that's much different than what the game ended up being. Certainly, mm. because yeah,
1: even though, even though the there's these bits where you you're walking around exploring the ship and the bits where you. Uh, yeah, you know, these free fr- freeze frame moments as you mentioned where you can like see the moment where someone died really you play the game in the notebook like flipping between the pages your, absolutely th- your thinking happens while you're in the notebook and that's really what the game is
0: for me like it's it's oh, the, I think it's that way forever I mean i I, I think that's predom- I mean I won't say for everyone I guess there's no no saying that but for me too um, I, I absolutely felt that way, especially at the end game where most of what I did at the end game after I'd gotten all the plot in was, okay, I'm just going to flip between these pages and try and figure out like who these people are. All I care about is like wrapping together these memories based on this one person who appears in the background. Um, there's like, there's an element of deduction as storytelling that goes on in this game that I find totally fascinating. And I think, you know, that's all in the book.
1: Mm. And you, yeah, you, you mentioned there about you, you or you care about them as like finding out who these people are. I guess in, in terms of just going back to if there's any kind of justice being delivered, the only thing that I can think of is that these people start off just as like a list of people on a company's, uh, um, you know, because uh, you've, you've got in the notebook, you've got a list of the crew members. So it's like somebody's name, their job. Right. And that's it. Like that's who they are for the purpose of this company. That's what they are. And the purpose of you investigating this is to just you know to write them off as like a financial asset. You know whether they deserve to be, whether they need to be paid, or whether they have to pay money to, whether their estate has to pay money to the company. And I guess at least there's some justice in broadening out and turning them into something more than a name
0: that a company treats as an asset. Yeah. Although I think like, and and this is to his credit, like Pope really makes you feel like a lot less good about that at the end because the, the end where it's like, okay, so like, here are the rewards that everyone got. They're just like, it's like 30 pounds to the family and stuff. It's nothing like you aren't changing these people's lives. You're basically just like making the company pay what little they think they need to pay. Um, and i mean i I agree with you that like there is there's a level of justice to that, but um I would also say like to your earlier point, it's not particularly appealing if that's what you're going for if you're looking to right some wrongs, um this game might not be the one for you.
1: no, I definitely agree with that there's not really the the satisfaction from this game is you say the the satisfaction of of the act of deduction the mm-hmm the the flicking through the pages and yeah I, I should say it's really this really great the way the notebook works like it, it does a thing where um if you so you can kind of focus on people when you're in scenes and if you focus in on somebody and hold it it kind of uh, the the notebook fades in in the background and you can see their face in a it, cause there's a drawing in the book of the crew which right. is one of your key pieces of evidence and it kind of uh just brings up the um, notebook in the background with their with their face, so you kind of get an idea of where they are in the picture. Just makes it a bit more practical because obviously they're not like uh, realistically rendered faces. So no, they can aren't. be. A although bit...
0: although I was impressed with the with the low poly or the low res graphics that there was a consistency of face. Like generally, I would be able to tell who a person was if I'd seen them before in the game. Like not from their picture necessarily, but definitely like if you see them twice on the Oprah Din, you're like, okay, this is this person. Like, they've, you know, they've shown up before. Um, this is that person. Like, that kind of thing. I felt like, you know, I could generally get it right. Although I'd always go to the book anyway.
1: Yeah. More often, yeah, it, it works more often than not. But I just thought that was a nice little, uh, that helped, I think. Because, yeah, sometimes I had problems working out who in the picture. Like, in the yeah. picture. I was like, oh, that, <laughs> I'm not sure who that guy. But, um, yeah, we should say as well, it, uh it does a, a good thing of um, so you have to put in who that you have to work out who the person is, uh, how they died, and who killed them if they were killed by somebody else. And the game only tells you if it was right once you've got uh, three correct <laughs> answers. So it's yes. a good way of stopping you just uh, like brute forcing it and just clicking through. So now,
0: that- was there ever a time where you brute forced?
1: Um, n- no, but really, would, that's impressive. So, so, well, it depends what you mean by brief. So, I would So that I there are a lot of times where I would I would think I have a vague idea of uh, there would be a lot of times where I'd be like, okay, this person I'm sure is one of these people. Oh, so right, like a once, I'm gonna wait like until uh, and then I would kind of if I had if I had if I was at a point where I had two solutions that i was sure about then i had worked out another one that i was sure about i would (laughs) sometimes leave the one i leave the one i was sure about and try and you know play with some of the names for the one i wasn't sure about absolutely
0: yes i I did that i did that with the with the a lot of the top men so like the uh well so one of the things that happened to me in playing this game and, and maybe this is just because i'm a bad detective but like um it took me a really long time to figure out that there was a, a a significance to where everyone was standing in the picture that had to do with their jobs. Like I understood like I okay, if there's an accent or if there's uh like someone uses Polish at one point and there's only one Pole in the in the um, in the entire crew so you're like, "Oh, well, that's them." Um, but the the pictures where it's like, "Okay, the stewards stand together and um, the, uh, the top men stand together and like the Russians are probably playing, you know, cards together and, and that, that kind of thing. Like it took me a really long time to figure that out. Um, well, I, th-
1: I think that, I think that, uh, f- probably mm. that type of stuff is, it works in its favor because mm. I think, so the gate, the, the game doesn't. It's not particularly handholdy. So it lets you no. just, you know, so it, it, you have to work stuff out for yourself. So I think it works in that you, like you say, you start off with stuff like, okay, that guy's got an accent. So I'll look through the list and see who is there any, how many Scottish guys are there on here or whatever. <laughs> if there's only one Scottish guy, there and aren't many. That's him. <laughs> but you, you get to a point where your strategies kind of stop yielding results. So then you kind of have to you know you have to search for a new one and then at some point like that that's i think that that same thing happened to me where i kind of thought i realized that i knew who a few characters were and i was like okay these people are all seamen and if i look at these pictures then these people are sitting together and and what I, this is the, one of the things i like about um when detective games are done well is that it you're using um strategies that make sense in real life like it's obvious that people that would work a lot together might sit around playing together you know right, what I mean exactly. that's a really that's a natural thing and that you will come to a point where you realize oh yeah that makes sense like if these people are sitting together and I mean you should say it's not like in the picture it's like every single seam is sitting together every single <laughs> yeah, top yeah. but most most of them are and most of the top men are together, most of the same are together, and that makes sense, and that's very natural, and um, yeah, Yeah. I I like the way that those are some, as well as the revelations of, oh, this guy's this guy, you also get the revelations of, oh, this is a new strategy that I can use to work things out, and those things come gradually and keep it interesting, I think.
0: That's a really good way of putting it. I think, like, uh, you know, like, the one one place that I wasn't able to ever get it right uh, was with the Chinese top men, um, right. because their their names are never said, and I brute forced a lot of them before someone told me that and here here are some spoilers in case that you are going to play Return of the Oberdin. Um skip ahead maybe 25 seconds, because I'll only talk about the spoiler real quick. But um, you know, there's their numbers are listed on their beds and correspond with the kinds of shoes they're wearing. And that was not natural for me at all. Like so <laughs> I was like I was like, I feel weird because I keep guessing these people's names because I know they're Chinese and that feels like oddly racialized in a way that I'm not comfortable with. And the person's like, oh, yeah, it's their shoes. Um, that's what people say. I don't know how it works. And so I looked and I, I got a couple of them. And I was like, oh, OK, like it was their shoes. That's uh, that's not what I would have expected.
1: OK. No, I didn't. uh I didn't know that. I didn't notice that. So I probably brute force those ones as well.
0: I don't blame um, you. <laughs> and like when I went down, I was like, "Oh, okay." But even when I knew that, it was like, "Okay, that is that the shoe he's wearing?" And then I'd have to like, you know, use a use a deduction that I was comfortable with, and you know, double it up with another one that I wasn't sure of, and that kind of thing. So it definitely wasn't a perfect solution. But I mean, Lucas Pope really does a good job here of anticipating your prejudices and, um, and like strategies and then messing with them where like, you know, someone who you think is going to be a seaman because they're super far out of the, out of the picture is actually like, uh, uh not an officer, but like a, a specific person on the, on the, um, on the ship where like you think, I, I know one thing I did was I thought every, I thought a gunman was the person uh, who was sh- shooting the people in the, or who's uh, assassinating or assassinating, um, executing the, mm. uh the, the Formosan um, uh guard in that, in the execution uh, image. But of course they were seamen and gunmen are v- much more specific. So like, there's a lot of things that I think Pope assumes that you will think of. And he, it's not just about like, Finding cool ways to make you deal with deduction. He has a really good sense of what the player is going to do, mm. but not in
1: a definitely not in a uh, annoying kind of uh, ha ha. No, no, not at all. <laughs> because it still feels. I have. To, I, I, as I said, I think it still feels very uh, natural, like the 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 way that people the way that you see the crew interact with each other, the kind of relationships they have all feel like they make sense. So
0: I really agree. Yeah. And it it really, you're absolutely right. Like it isn't like, it isn't like, uh, when, when he does it, he's trying to, you know, make some sort of like meta point or make you feel silly or something. It really is like, you know, (laughs) here's, here's kind of how this is going to work and, uh, this is all I'm giving you, we'll see what you make of it. And he he seems to just have a really good sense of knowing what we're going to make of it, um, if that makes any sense.
1: Mm.
0: And, um, yeah, just,
1: uh, I want to say that with the, the notebook as well, um, so it's, uh, I, I think, you know, a notebook is a place, obviously, where you uh, write down thoughts that, aren't fully formed right Right. you you write down you're trying to conceptualize something or form something solid so you write notes to try and help you um come to that and this this notebook kind of uh reflects that process back at you in that it makes that happen in your head like because when you're playing this and you're flicking through the notebooks your your head's like swimming with Half-formed ideas yeah. or like intuitions, and you're trying to like because uh, it, it, it can feel quite overwhelming. I thought at, at first. I don't
0: know how you, you felt. But no, totally. It, it actually kind of felt like I wanted to keep a notebook for the notebook, um, which was why I was so happy that they did the thing that you said, where like there are three things that you need to get correct. Because like it felt on some level like it was at least manageable. But looking at it, I was like, I have I I can't do this. Like I can't. There's no way I'll be able to to get all these things together. I mean, put a different way, I I look. The only time I looked at a game fact for this was because I mean that would just like that would be pointless. Um, was to uh, confirm uh, there is like a very early point in the game where you can just like stop basically, like you have the option to just leave the Oberdin after you figured out a certain amount, and at that point I think I had 15 of the 60 uh, done, and I was like. If I leave is there going to be more should I leave now or what? And I looked it up because I can't handle stuff like that where it's like you're making a choice and you don't know how it's going to pan out. Um and they basically oh, were yeah. like, and it's If you leave, it's says, just a bad ending. Yeah, cuz the
1: guy says as well. Um uh, come on like there's a storm coming so like wrap it up. Yeah. So it kind of makes you think, "Oh, do I need to be quick?" Like, I better hurry. I yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. very strange. Um did you did you end up leaving at that point or did you stay?
1: No, I just I, I just kind of yeah, I had this I had a bit of the anxiety that you had there, but I just kind of thought it feels to me like I'm supposed to solve all these first. So I'm just gonna trust that instinct and keep going. And then after like a while and a storm didn't come and destroy the ship, or whatever, I was like, okay, this is obviously fine. I can just keep going.
0: Yeah, I mean, so. my concern was, like, I was like, well, maybe maybe I've done all I can. Like, maybe I can't come up with anymore. Which, again, like, is a super... It's a really cool way of of brute forcing a, a moment of, like, of reconsideration from your audience where, like, you know, I thought I had the game pretty much figured out and it turns out, like if you think that, if you have that, if that's all you're doing, you're only going to solve 14 or 15 ones of these. Like, you need more going on than than your initial assumptions of how this game worked in order to make it happen. And, I mean, that was that was a cool moment for me because I really had to reconsider how I was looking at the game and how I was doing the deduction. Um, and it turned out not as well as I could have been.
1: Mm. But I think it's... it's um, yeah, the, the, I think you just have to... There's a few moments like that, I think, where you feel like it's getting a bit too much for you or you might be overwhelmed or you start to worry. Because you can always, as you're exploring the ship, you're uncovering these these, uh, murders and then there are murders, like, embedded in murders. Right. So sometimes you start to think, oh, should I stop going? Because I've already got so much unsolved stuff. But then (laughs) if I keep going, like maybe i don't have everything i need yet and you start to yeah. worry but like i think i got to a point where i realized that just keep going just keep going and don't worry about uh try not to worry about that and just yeah the solutions will come and you have and it's it's very i think it's it's very um careful about giving you space to think so for example when the freeze frames happen like with someone's death it leaves you there, like for a set amount of time, right? Um, before you can move on, which sometimes can be kind of annoying because you're like, "Okay, I get it. I just,
0: I, just, I just needed to look at this one guy. Like, I just yeah. There, there was one thing I needed to see. I don't need. I don't need to stay here that long, right?"
1: But it's, I think it ends up working quite well because it it forces you to just kind of wait for a minute and think, which is what the game's really about. So if you've, if for example you end up in one of those scenes and you're like, okay, I know who that is, I know what's happened here, fine, but you have to stand there anyway. So then yeah. you maybe start thinking about something else. You you instantly return to. There, there'll be one that's like niggling in your head, like that you're thinking, I. I i thought i had that one but how could i've got that wrong because and then it just gives you a moment to return to that and it keeps those thoughts circling around if you know what i mean
0: no i totally do and i that was like a lot of those moments were where i ended up really second guessing some of the ideas i had which was really good too where like i'd be sure that this one person that i'd identified was x person and it turns out like no, actually, you had that wrong the whole time, and that's that's one of the things that's been holding you up is your assumption on who this person is. Um, and those moments where you're just sort of standing there and you're like, "Wait, what if that person's not this?" Like, let me think back on this on this problem that I've got, that I've kind of grown sick of, and and reconsider it from a different angle. Yeah, no, I think like I think absolutely. Like the game, the really cool thing about Oberdin is is the way that the game is constantly encouraging you to reconsider your assumptions about it. It really it really does not give you much leeway in terms of just, you know, calm, uh, um, uh, consistent presumptions of, of truth. Um, you really have to work it out almost every time.
1: Can I ask you as well, um, did you have, so you mentioned needing to, like, reconsider Sank, you assumed for a long time. Did you also yes. have a moment where, because I had, like, one guy that, I couldn't work out who he was and he was involved in so much stuff and he was like, he killed this guy, killed this guy, he killed this guy. And I just couldn't, uh, it took me so long into the game and when I finally worked out who he was, it was like, strike that one off, strike that one off, strike that one off. And it it started like the kind of, because I'm sure if you, anybody who plays this game, you'll get moments where it slows, your progress starts to slow and then suddenly you get these dominoes for a while, and it's just like yeah. bang, 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 and you just strike them off. It's really it's satisfying. Very,
0: super sad. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, no, I had a, I had a moment. There's a guy who who like it's part of like the mutiny section where like it, I guess the chapter is called escape. There are chapters in it as well. Um, it's very pulpy, very sort of like Victorian novel, uh, you know, of the sea sort of feel. Um, and what's funny about this game is that like for all that, the plot is not what really, uh, what really got me. It was the the sort of unraveling of everything after the plot, but, um, uh, yeah, there's this one guy who kills one of the guys who has killed someone else. And I thought, I thought it was someone else the whole time. And I just never figured it out until the end. And I was like, Oh, duh, of course that's who that is. And a buddy of mine had the same thing. And he was like, yeah, it took me embarrassingly long to figure out that it was this guy when it starts off and, a person says his name, and if you look carefully, he has his hand up to his ear to demonstrate, like he hears it. He is listening. Okay,
1: for this. that's the exact same guy I'm talking about. it's uh,
0: Such a, it's so disappointing when that happens. It's like, are you kidding me? That's what it was. Yeah, that I missed that.
1: That was the guy. That was the guy. Yes, that's, I, totally,
0: I, didn't know, yes. I didn't
1: notice. I didn't notice that either. But that took me so long. But, so um,
0: frustrating. Yeah, when Ari, my, my friend Ari, mentioned it, he was like, "Yeah, it took me embarrassingly long to figure that out." That that guy. Uh, had his ear up, and I was like, "Oh, he had his ear up! <laughs> like, you gotta be kidding me! How how would you ever know that?" And of course, you know, you just know it because you're observant. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's it's what I find fascinating about the game is that it can do all these things without being just awful and interminable, right? Like, there's there are so many games that ask you to do stuff like this. I mean, this is like a hallmark of the adventure genre. <clears throat> but of course, the other hallmark of the adventure genre is just getting extremely frustrated and giving up. Um, whereas in *Oberdin*, it is it is deeply frustrating. But I haven't heard a lot of people say like, "Yeah, I gave up because I I just like I got sick of it. I got angry with it." People like really play with it on its own terms, and that seems not nor that seems like not not abnormal, but certainly a little unusual.
1: Mm. Well, I think yeah, maybe part of that is because because there's so many so there's like 60 or something murders in it Mm -hmm. uh, not murders 60 or something deaths yeah and even like even at those moments where you're you're kind of stuck you always have so many well while you're early on in the game you always have or even quite far in the game you always have the option of okay i'll just keep going and find some more uh, you know find some more deaths and that'll keep me going but even after that you've got so many um, like half-formed theories or you can switch uh, inklings yeah. about yeah you always you'll give up on one thing and go somewhere else but then later you'll, you'll return to this and we've and when you return to it, you'll have probably solved some other things which eliminate some possibilities. So you've always got so many like plate spinning like mentally that I think there's always something to shift to. Yeah. Whenever you're, uh, no, I think you're,
0: you're, you're right. right. Like, I think you're absolutely right. Because like it, the, the frustrating moments in adventure games are the moments where it's like, oh, um, you know, this is the place you have to get through, but um, we're not going to tell you how. Like that's when it becomes like okay so what do you want me to do here like what exactly do you, what thing do I have to press what stupid you know uh, combination of things do I have to do and then you know once once you realize it it it's fine but before then it's like this is just this is just the worst um, and so like the fact that Oberdin never has a moment where you're at a roadblock where it's like okay. Um, here's what you need to do, figure it out, you have a million places to go at any given point. You can always uh, mess around with different theories or different uh, problems, because at the point where you only have one thing to figure out, it's very easy to figure that out.
1: Can I use... uh, Talking about the frustrations of adventure games, can I use that as an excuse to to talk about Discworld Noir? Yeah, of course you can. Um,
0: I would would hope you would use as many excuses as possible to talk about Discworld Noir.
1: Yeah. So this is, this is the, so Discworld the, the first game I can think of, or the first, the earliest game I'm aware, of, and maybe there's the, others that people know that I have not heard of, but it's the earliest game I know where, like, an, a notebook is the central thing in it. Like, it's the thing that you play with. So just to explain what it is to people, it was, so people probably more familiar, if at all, with the earlier Discworld games, Discworld and, uh, Discworld 2, which were, like traditional uh, item adventure kind of games uh, with starring like Rincewind, who, if you've read Discworld, he's one of the characters from Discworld. But anyway, Discworld Noir was um, a original story. So the, the first two took like elements from various books and like mixed them together, Discworld the World as it, as the as the name suggests was like a noir story and it borrowed stuff from the Maltese falcon and all these classic noir storylines, and you played a a private detective hmm. um, but what was sounds good in, yeah what was interesting about it as I say is you had this notebook and uh, obviously adventure games most adventure games before that tended to be about items and the story would be gated by you not solving an item puzzle. So, you know, it's like you have to solve this stupid puzzle. That's, you know, some games have a puzzle. You know what I mean? You get these yeah, ridiculous no, item puzzles, and then you can have the next bit of story. And, yeah, what two yeah, things but, do you
0: yeah. combine? You need a flame. You're know, like, well, I have flint. Can I use flint? What will, what yeah. will, you, what will you use the flint on? Well, uh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just gets super frustrating.
1: Yeah, but what was it, What was really interesting about this game is it, it did have a few item puzzles in it, so that was in there as well, but mostly it was about your notebook and the clues you had in it, the suspects. So it would be organised, like you had a list of suspects, you had a list of clues, and you could combine clues to, you know, contradictions to get a new one. Or when you were talking to characters, you could use things you'd found out to, you know, if they were lying to you, you could, if you had a, some information from someone else, you could use that to... to uh um you know, force them to to tell you the truth, or whatever. So yeah. what happened there is the the clues were basically your items, and that meant that the the puzzles were now the story because oh. your clue, your clue was this person had your item rather was, you know uh, this person has has racked up a huge gambling debt that you find out at the thing. So the the, the, the puzzles that you're solving are actually the the story, and that was that's I mean. Oh, I played really this cool. a long time ago. I didn't think of it in these terms at the time. But I think, retrospectively, what was really interesting about it is that your, your puzzles are the story and you're playing with the story. And that is the the mystery drama, right? It's a puzzle that you have to solve. Absolutely. Then this may, this is a really direct way of bringing that uh, to the fore. And actually, because uh, I've interviewed the guy who designed uh, Discord Noir a couple of times, and he's actually very conscious of that. Like That was very deliberate so he actually told me that you know he thought about you know you have dialogue trees in games uh and you have all these puzzles but with the notebook he thought that this was a way of kind of you didn't need dialogue trees as such anymore or you still had dialogue trees but it was naturally organized in the notebook because these are your conversation topics this is obviously what you want to talk about because you want to find out where this person was or, or what these things did and then you could yeah, you just click through your notebook to speak to someone instead of having, hmm. like, a very, you know, artificial dialogue tree because you're free to ask whoever what you like. And, um, yeah, I just think that that's, uh, yeah, he was very aware of the way of tying the narrative and the clues into the puzzles and what you're doing. And I just think that's a really interesting idea. And it, it, it's actually not really been picked up by anyone else, um not, that's not true entirely true. Uh there's bit there've been a couple of indie games that have mm. that have used it. So I don't know if you're familiar with the Blackwell games.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh the, the one about the ghost detective.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that that is uh so that that was actually directly inspired by Discworld Noir as well. Oh. Um the guy who developed it said he basically ripped it out of Discworld. Um there's a game called Kathy Rain as well, yep. which again yep. uses uh a, a notebook. But it's not really, you know, there's been notebooks in like um, LA Noir and, you know, like Nathan Drake has a notebook and stuff, but there's not really been that many games where it's like a central, uh, you know, it is the game, which is the case. I should say, by the way, as well, Discord Noir is not like a perfect game. It still has like really annoying.
0: It's not a perfect game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's got a whole weird thing where spoilers for a game from 1999 that you can't play anymore um you turn into you turn this is another really interesting thing as well going off topic but um it's one of those games that completely changes halfway through uh in that you turn into a werewolf so huh. you then okay. you then that allows you to uh pick up sense. So then you have, like, you can transform into a werewolf and smell various scents around the area. (laughs) And then you can, like, work out, if you see, if you work out, like, oh, this scent, they're, like, color-coded. So you could be like, oh, this color is this person. So then you could go somewhere and say, ah, this person has been here because their scent is here. Wow. Um, So, yeah, that was kind of a weird thing, which...
0: Yeah, I don't know if that's good or bad, honestly.
1: Um. It was quite. uh, It it worked in some ways. It was a bit. You ended up with a huge infantry of colors that were some like this one's light blue and this one's slightly less light blue. So it was kind of a bit. Yeah, that's a a hassle.
0: Well, yeah, I mean there can only be so many colors. uh, And like if you're sticking to ones that are recognizable, you would end up with like seven suspects, which probably for a or seven people of interest, which for a game that long and, and big probably is not enough.
1: Yeah, but it, it it worked in some ways. It worked in some ways, but, but anyway, it was an interesting game, and yeah, I just think this again. This kind of links back to to Oprah Dim of what I'm talking about with the notebook um, being the focus of the game, but also it making. So obviously, in a sense. So it's, it's a game that happens in your head, which obviously all games, everything happens in your head. And you know, you know it's kind of a stupid way to say, but in a in a more direct way, it's about, um, you, like we were saying, a lot of Oberdin is sitting, looking at the notebook, and thoughts going around in your head. And the the game is really, it's not attacking this guy or like not that I'm like saying that's bad or whatever. You know, it's not pressing X to hit this guy or whatever. The the game is thinking. Um, and connecting things together, like that's what you're playing with, and yeah. the, and the notebook really focuses that in and really brings that out. And I just think that's something that works really well in Discord Noir, and I think that's something that works really well in Overdine as well.
0: well yeah, it, it, and what's super interesting about it is like it is it's a it's such a purely discursive way of playing a video game, which is not really considered a discursive medium, right? Like a, a video game is considered like a visual or interactive medium. And there's the idea of like true deduction or induction in a video game is so you know strange I mean like in terms of reading practices, I can only imagine that you know people will write papers on on Oberdin um, and you know rightfully so it's a it's a really interesting game for that. Um, but yeah, I mean like it's it's what's what's fascinating about it is that it is like I'm trying to think of the best way to say this it's basically like the promise of a detective game, but it actually delivers where like, you know, you see detective games, even LA noir, which I, I, very much enjoy, um, is a detective game that is in many ways, just an action game that has detective elements. Um, yeah. Or like a grand theft auto style open world game that has detective elements or, or procedural elements. Um, and certainly games like, uh, Tex Murphy or something like that, you know, while interesting or just, uh, they're just like, adventure games and the, the plot isn't, you know, your Indiana Jones, the plot is your Tex Murphy. So like the idea of actually coming up with a game that says like, okay, what we're going to do is we are going to every mechanic and story beat and uh, intentional moment in this game is going to be in the interest of, um, you know, like Holmesian style deduction. Uh, is, I mean, it's bold. It's it's very bold and it's cool that it's kind of paid off. Uh, I think, um, I don't know. I guess I guess like, you know, it's it took him an extremely long time because uh, I mean, how do you how do you how do you do this? I mean, how do you write it? Um, it's an absolutely unbelievable amount of connection and, and and process. It's like a massive novel in in many ways. But the fact that it's sort of like it doesn't shy away from being a massive novel. It never gives you an out that makes you not read or think. Um, it's very cool. And and. I don't know, maybe it's my cynicism saying it, but it's a little surprising that it's been as successful as it is.
1: Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad it is because hopefully that meets loads more detective games, which is... Yeah, there'll be <laughs> some copycats. They're, they're, not, they're not, yeah, they're, there's not a lot of them, or like you say, they tend to be, uh, yeah, side elements in, in other games, but yeah, I, I just think there's something so satisfying about that, You know, those moments of epiphany, which is what detective, you know, the procedural thing, the detective games, that's what it's about.
0: It's true. And like the, I think like, you know, for me, there's something about games that included as a, as a, as a element of the game that, you know, I, I totally understand why they're there. And like, I get why it's just an element, but like, you ever played, did you ever play any of the Batman Arkham games? yeah sure so like there are there are the detective sight moments in that, right where like you know you can be Batman and you can uh use your use your gadgets to try and like solve a crime, and that always appealed to me. I always liked it, even though it was never well done like it was always it was always clearly a secondary thought. every clue was extremely easy to get or completely hidden to the point that it clearly was like not well designed there was no thought after it, but like. The idea of like, ah, oh, sweet, we can follow this blood trace to figure, to figure out what happened to the people of Gotham City, was like way more interesting to me than fighting the Joker or whatever. Um, which I can't imagine is is like a, a a common thing. I imagine they did the right thing in not focusing on that from a business perspective. <laughs> But, no i i I'm this,
1: that that type of stuff is really i'm the same even though yeah it's like yeah follow this
0: trail it's it's still oddly appealing to it's me great. for some reason yeah it's so good like i i totally understand that it's probably not at all what people play video games for but maybe i'm wrong like because oberdin really does nothing but that and like people seem to really be into it it seems to be a very popular game so i don't know like mm one of the one of the things that I thought about a lot while playing Oberdin was this, um, and it's something in like games theory or um, games theory sounds too much like game theory. So <laughs> games criticism. Uh, so we're not doing a, Eric Garland here. But um, uh, a lot of people will talk about the way that video games sort of started out as this instance of um, the uh, the kind of like virtual novel. Um, where like, you know, oh, video games initially were ways to do novels differently or ways to like tell a story via a, um, a particular, you know, idea or whatever. Like, uh, oh, now I can tell Alice in Wonderland, but through, uh, through the, the eye of, I don't know, like the Cheshire Cat or whatever. Right. Like a lot of people talk about the ways that the vi- visual novels were, um, not visual novels, they didn't call them that, but like, uh, oh. Interactive novels, excuse me, were the the okay. wave of the future. And um, what's amazing about Oberdin is that it's the first game in a long, long time that's actually sort of made the case for like, yeah, we can do that again. Like, we could totally do vis- uh, uh, interactive novels. There's no reason why we couldn't. Um, which is wild because usually those are just like theoretical ideas.
1: Yeah, it's uh, what, while we're sort of talking about um, storytelling and stuff, like, how did you? Um... So we, I think we've, we've both kind of made it pretty clear that the the, the main appeal for it from us was the deduction detective stuff. But did you enjoy at all the the the, the kind of story that
0: forms the background I, of it? I, I did Which enjoy is, it. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, yeah. It's very pulpy. Um, yeah. It's very much like a, uh, you know, uh, you'd expect to find it in, you know, a Two-Fisted Tales kind of uh, magazine or I suppose like a Penny Dreadful or something like that. Um it just felt like, it felt like they sort of knew what it was. Like, it didn't feel like they were trying to do something over the top with it. Like, they were trying to make the story out to be, or I guess he, it's just one person. But, like, it never felt like Pope was trying to be like, here's a really important story that you have to know. It was it was always sort of like, okay, this is kind of a goofy story. Like, it's going to be a story about, like, giant sea monsters and an octopus that attacks a ship and a, a mysterious cursed item and stuff like that. It was never, like... You know, here herein lies uh, the ancient mariner, and please listen to his tale. So I liked it because it wasn't pretentious, but I mean, it wasn't also on the other hand, it wasn't important or anything. I would certainly say. What did you no. think?
1: but yeah, it was. It was. It uh, has a sense of fun about it, and it's the kind of thing that I think when it, like when I when I see a game on an old school, you know, one of those ships that looks like an old pirate ship. That's the type of shit, I want to be happening, Yeah, you know, when they're sailing off, this is, you know, when they're sailing off in this time where on your maps you have, you know, places you don't know, or, you know what I mean, these, there's rumors of these creatures here or there, and, you know, seeing some of these things, I, yeah, I thought it was quite fun. Yeah,
0: and I I, I liked, you know what, I was, I was surprised by, I was talking to a friend about it, and I was like, everyone in this is, like, really just, like, a miserable person, and he was like, well, I don't know, like, the Formosans didn't come off as very bad. And I was like, you know, you're actually right, like, the most sort of, like, outside of the norm characters in the game, the sort of Formosan royalty, um, are just kind of, like, decent people who have a a, a weird cursed item, and uh, the people on the ship are very mean to them about it, and steal it, and uh, cause the deaths of all of their, uh, oh, sorry, uh spoilers, I guess, for Oberdin, but I uh, cause cause the death. Everyone dies. So. Yeah, everyone most everyone dies. That's right. Um but yeah, I mean like right. this is what causes the death, like this, this absolute greed towards the Formosans um, you know, thing that they have. And I, I thought that was kinda cool. Like I thought it was I thought it was neat how basically they they make everyone kind of equally likable and equally hateable, except for a few outside objections which seems like what it would probably be on a ship like a lot of people who were just kind of not nondescript necessarily but not you know ahab necessarily either
1: yeah they're just people doing their job going about their yeah. lives it's a pretty yeah that's okay but yeah and then there's just a few kind of
0: yeah disagreeable <laughs> yeah tr- truly disagreeable people um and then a few really good people who you're like oh that's a Shame they got caught up in that. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, I, 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 thought it was, I thought it was a really neat game, in, in most every way, I, I really didn't have any complaints about it. It was just a really fun experience, actually. Yeah, I,
1: I don't really have any, like, like I said, there was a, a few moments where I thought, oh, maybe this could move a little bit faster rather than, than keeping me here. But as I said, I think that was ultimately for the benefit of the game. There's, there's, and there's times when once you've kind of unlocked all these deaths over the ship there was times where I thought uh it'd be good if it was some kind of like fast travel thing to you know go from here and here but then again I I when I think about it I really don't think it would because as I said I think it benefits from making you walk over to this place just for the for for, for that thing I mentioned of while you're walking there you're gonna it, naturally you're gonna f- be thinking about something else so it just it's another way of keeping that process going so yeah I, d- I don't think I don't think there's anything I would particularly change about it i, I same as you I really enjoyed it I really recommend it to anyone uh any one of your listeners who hasn't played it yet.
0: yeah yeah and I, I I can't I can't agree more about the 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 fast travel thing like that was something I was really kind of wanting I was like man why is yeah, why do I have to keep figuring out every single time? Like, okay, fine. Like, you know, I have to I have to go ahead and v- locate this the 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 four deck or like I want to I want to look at this guy. Okay, I have to try, climb six decks down again. But then, like, you get a sense of of space in the ship, which is really cool. <laughs> like, it's neat to kind of feel like you know the Oberdin and what it what like the the kind of layout of it is, um, which you wouldn't get, of course, if if like you could just fast travel through it, which. I mean, anyone who's ever played uh, Skyrim or whatever will tell you.
1: Yeah, and uh, a sense of time as well, because if you, um, because some because of the way you because of the way the deaths uh, happen, uh, like in a in a series often, and sometimes when you're struggling to understand something, you might want to kind of re-travel you kind of want to get a sense of what happened when and what happened to who so you sometimes makes you travel through well not makes you but you choose to travel through a series of deaths so it gives you a nice sense of of traveling through time as well and getting a sense of what happened where because this story that we talked about that happens in the background it doesn't unfold chronologically like you start off at the end you go here you go there so it helps to kind of Get that in your head as well. I think. Well,
0: yeah, and it, and it, in fact, like it doesn't it doesn't fully unfold. Like you don't have to notice it unfolding. I guess is what I'd say. Like you you can totally ignore it. Um, it. Like some of the stuff, like like the the bit about the Formosan royalty. Yeah, it's there. Like you you learn about it and stuff, but you could definitely miss it all too. It wouldn't be hard. Um, no. And like that that's kind of interesting that that Pope just kind of is like well. I'll write in the story here, but uh, you know, if you don't want to do it, don't worry about
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just a, a nice, fun background thing. But yeah, your focus is always on okay, <laughs> who did this to this guy? Who's this guy? And
0: yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I, I loved it. I would, I would, I, I. A lot of people have said like they, they wish they could memory hold themselves and play it again, which I totally understand. Um, I wish I could do that too, but uh, you know. Fortunately, we can't. Yeah. No, that's the that's the uh,
1: that's one of the downsides of detective games. <laughs> Once you figure it out, there's not really
0: much left there for you. Right. Yeah. You're sort of you're sort of done at that point. But you know, it's 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 I don't know. Like it was it was it was enjoyable. It was absolutely worth what I paid for it. Which I mean, to me, doesn't really matter so much. But. Not because I have a ton of money, but because I hate judging video games that way. Sure, yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I would absolutely recommend it. I think it's, I think it's a wonderful game. Um, and thank you for, uh, for uh, giving me a reason to talk about it. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Of off. course. Um, so, Paul, you have a podcast called Utopian Horizons. Can you talk to us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh, Utopian Horizons is a podcast where I cover a different utopia or dystopia or utopian thinker or movement in uh, every episode. So I cover um, science fiction novels, I cover films, I cover political movements, so like the Black Panthers, I've done episodes on cities, so all types of different things um, normally with a guest on. So, for example, you came on as a guest to to talk about Snatcher. Right. so... Yeah, if people want to hear that, that's still that's the most recent episode at the moment um, at the time of us speaking, anyway. So um, yeah, if people there's there's a few video games episodes on there. I did one on um, Bioshock Infinite, that's a good one and, uh, for that. Yeah, they'll,
0: sorry, that's a good one for that.
1: Yeah, um, and I'll be there'll be more video game stuff in the future. So yeah, if people are interested in that, uh, it'll be cool to have a look. As I said, it's called Utopian Horizons. So just Google it and find it you
0: will I've, I've googled it myself and that's also the the twitter you're on so we can we can plug both you don't even have to yeah you don't even have to separate yourself out from your brand anymore and if that's not a utopian yeah. horizon um <laughs> just yeah. just kidding that's that's the that's the dystopia we live with every day
1: <laughs> yeah and i should say as well um I think I've managed to persuade someone to pay me to write about um, notebooks and games. So if you're if you're uh, <laughs> looking for some more notebook chat, then keep an eye out because there should be an article coming out
0: I, 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 in the near future. I'm willing to imagine that most of my audience is always in in the mood for notebook chat. Um, okay, good literary audience here. I, I expect I expect you'll have some 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 uh, some fans. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly will be looking for it. But yeah, um, well, yeah. Listen to Utopian Horizons. Follow them on Twitter. Um, I I certainly had a great time being on it. I, I like the podcast quite a bit, so I would wholeheartedly recommend it. Um, and Paul, thank you so much for being on. This is really, I, it's always a pleasure having you on. I really, I really enjoy talking with you about this stuff. Uh, no problem. Yeah. Thanks again. Yeah. Of course. That's good. All right. Talk to you soon.